0: And thank you, everyone, who made it, and you've survived our rain apocalypse here in San Francisco. So, um, I have this really amazing job. It's called an enterprise agile coach. And what that means is that in a company like Hewlett Packard, I get to work with teams such as small research and development teams loaded with really awesome scientists, and I also get to work with large 500, 600-person teams that work with networking devices. And I help them work with their products and to learn to turn out products in a much more nimble and resilient fashion. And so what I want to do is tell you a story, and tell you a story of a recent... Growth experience of working with one of these teams. And growth experiences start, as you know, kind of like they all do, with the phone call, one of those fateful phone calls. Hi, Catherine, I have this great idea for a product. Came from the CTO of HP. Yes, the CTO of HP. And I thought of it on the way to work this morning in the car. Great. Okay, I can work with this. And he said, and I want you to work some of that Agile magic in because I think this is one of those opportunities we want to take to work with a really new technology and work with, you know, um, with these Agile teams and work in some of these concepts that we've learned about Lean Startup, Agile, you know, and various other movements. So great. This product is actually pretty cool. It works with this new computer system operating uh, computer operating system-ish thing called OpenStack. And it's really new. Not a lot of people know about it. And I get to talk nerdy again. So I get to say words like Ansible and Docker, which for me was just awesome to be able to talk with all these different technologies. And the problem we have when we have these new really, really disruptive technologies is it's really hard for developers to get going. So the mission was. Take make it easier for a developer to start working in this brand new system, which is really hard to work in, and take the time that it takes for them to get started and dr- shrink it dramatically. And our product mission was to take this process that normally takes several hours, sometimes weeks, days, uh, and shrink it down to 15 minutes. So cool mission, cool product, cool technology really something very, very disruptive within an existing large company. Those opportunities don't come around really often, so I'm like, yeah, I'm in, let's, let, let's do this. And a couple of anti-patterns tend to emerge when something like this comes your way in a large, prod- a large company. And that first real tendency is to do something I called go rogue. Tempting, really tempting. You grab your copy of Lean Startup, you practice all your words, you take your team into your cave of secrecy and non-collaboration, you hide away, and you're like, okay, we're gonna merge later, ta-da, with our product, four months later, and we said, when we did it with Lean Startup and all these awesome things. but. When you go rogue and you give in to this temptation, you actually miss the point that you, as innovators within large companies, you actually have two main responsibilities. The first one, of course, is to deliver on the mission of this product or this innovation that you're trying to um, test out and deliver pieces to it. But your other important mission is that you're there to teach you're there to show people the way and to make sure that people understand that this is not a one hit wonder and that this is how you do innovation in a really large company. So it's really tempting But what we decided to do is instead of going rogue, we tried to find a way to work within the system to seek a balance. How could we leverage all these awesome superpowers and resources that are available in a really large company, but still be light, be nimble, be able to pivot, to be able to just move faster and be more responsive to our customers as we learn more about this technology and how people might use it. So large companies have this problem I would call an embarrassment of riches. We almost have too much stuff available. Big call centers, large development centers in India, huge testing centers in China. It can be really overwhelming. And those resources, they have a price because a lot of them come with bureaucracy, forms you have to fill out, lag times for working with them. So while it's really powerful, it can also really slow you down and in other cases even be distracting. So, again, how do we find this balance of working within all of them? And what we did is we dared to under-resource. You know, and and what does that mean, you know, in order to to dare to under-resource? So, one example is working with people in large companies. So, if those of you are from large companies, you have a lot of people all over the world. And if you've worked with people and you're sitting in California, and then you've got team members maybe in Western Europe, a couple on the East Coast, and in China, If you've ever tried to schedule a conference call with those people, it's really hard. And no matter what you do, somebody is always in their pajamas, no matter what time of day you pick. So pretty hard. So what we did is we looked at the team that we were being offered, and we were being offered people all over the world, and we made this bold decision to limit the number of time zones of people that we would work with between California and Western Europe. Now for those of you in big companies you know to be able to say no to that using that development team in India or that that awesome testing team in China is a really bold decision and it actually made a lot of our executives really uncomfortable but wait they're the best or they know they're the only ones that know this new technology how could you say no to them and for us what we said is it is more important for us to take that initial hit productivity hit teach some people the technology and take that initial learning curve and be able to then have people that we could collaborate with, that we could talk to for multiple hours of the day, do Google Hangouts, and not worry that somebody was asleep, or worse, had to work with email lag times. So we created these zones of collaboration, and we limited the team to just those uh, zones. The other thing we did is that we didn't create a bunch of subteams. There were no de- development separate from testing, which was separate from operations, which was separate from our you know, customer development. We dared ourselves to have everybody do it all. And this had a really interesting effect on the team. You know, first of all, it makes you more efficient because there's not a lot of handoffs. But what was also really interesting is the quality of the code that we wrote in those first iterations was much improved. Because if a developer knows that they have to be responsible for testing their code and they have to take the call from the customer when something goes wrong, something really interesting happens. It's pretty neat. It's kind of like being responsible for cleaning up after yourself after you make a big mess. You make less of a mess. And this is what happened with, the, with our team. The other thing that happened, and it, it, because everybody was performing roles they weren't used to, they were writing documentation, or they were writing test harnesses, is that it was just destabilizing enough that it gave us a lot more emotional freedom to experiment. I'm doing a job I don't normally do. I'm doing something that I haven't done before. Well, let's try it. And what that meant is that we experimented again with a lot of technologies. It meant that we experimented with a lot of different tools as well. And we didn't get round up about how we should do something. We're just like, um, well, why don't you try using, you know, let, let's, let's try rakes back. let's give that a shot. Okay, and, you know, let's go ahead and do that. And it gave us all that emotional freedom. The other thing that happens, you know, speaking of tools, is that that was another thing that we actually under-resourced. In big companies, we have access to world-class defect management tools. And this, again, sounds pretty odd coming from a company that makes some of those world-class enterprise development tools. And so, instead of focusing on trying to, you know, use these tools and make these big decisions, instead, we focused first on using tools that supported our culture. Because we all know that culture eats process for lunch. So we've zoomed in, picked the tools. Some of them were antiquated, you know, they called them anachronistic. But what happened was is we picked tools that worked. And the best thing is it was ones that developers actually used. That's the best tool. Big companies also put a lot of energy into their decisions. We venerate them. It's hard to make decisions in a big company. It takes you weeks to get people together. And therefore, it makes it really hard to change a decision. And because you put so much energy into them, you commemorate them in PowerPoint documents. So again, what we did is we took a similar under-resourced approach to our decisions. We uh, would just write them down maybe in a job card, we'd make these decisions quickly, and that if it wasn't working out, we felt, again, that emotional freedom to examine our decisions, maybe set them aside, make a different decision. So again, you know, letting go and trying to under-resource your decisions was a really wise way to help kind of create this feeling of being in a startup. So how did we leverage the superpowers that are within HP? And that the first one I'll talk about is legal. In a large company, you have big teams of lawyers, duh. Uh, And we actually found out that there were teams of lawyers that had specialties in open source and since we were open sourcing our product, we were actually able to go to these lawyers and they helped us navigate these myriad of laws related to open sourcing software, really powerful, didn't know, never knew that a lawyer could be a really good friend to an innovation team. The second one is in global cybersecurity. HP is a Fortune 20 company, it's actually Fortune 17. And when you innovate inside a company that big, there's just a lot more at stake. There just is, and so you have to be careful. And so it also turns out that we have one of the best cybersecurity teams probably in the world because of that size. And so instead we pulled them close. And we worked closely with them. And we made sure that our product was security compliant from the very beginning. And because of that, as there were various other breaks, um, there was the heart bleed virus. There was a whole bunch of other um, 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 incidents that happened. And because we pulled them close, it saved us hours of rework. And it saved us a lot of apologies to our customers later. So what was the big upshot? We went from that phone call, that crazy phone call, to a working prototype in four weeks. We went from that phone call to an executive demo, another great opportunity for feedback, in six weeks. And in four months, we were demoing this product to the largest user forum of HP, which is about 6,000 people. And nobody on the team did the demo. We actually had the, the CTO of HP demo the product. Great opportunities for feedback. And the other thing that was interesting is that we didn't end up talking, we, you know, we talk about the product a lot and we talk about you know, this, this Forge solution, but the other thing I'm finding that I'm doing is spending just as much time talking about how we did it. And I've, got, I've had just opportunity after t- opportunity to teach, to show people how to do this, and to show them how to work through a large company and still be able to innovate, but show people that you can still work within the company and not necessarily go rogue every time. So again, the big thing I want you to take away is, first of all, you have two responsibilities when you innovate within a large company. The first, of course, being that you've got to deliver your product. But second is, it's your job to show people the way. And as you do that, that, find the balance. Leverage those superpowers. Find that group, such as security, such as legal, uh, and a myriad of other things that are available in your company, and figure out how to leverage those powers in order to take your innovations even further.